Well, welcome to Salem Chapel. If you're new with us, my name is Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of uh, being the lead pastor here. Whether you're watching us in this room or you're online, we are glad that you are here this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 3. I'll speak more about that in just a moment, but I did want to um, just stress one thing, and that is tonight, our family forum. Uh, It's at 6 o'clock. It's a little bit uh, different of a format. Normally, we do membership forums for our family members, those that have covenanted together with one another uh, to uh, just be all in at Salem Chapel. But what we're also going to do tonight is we're going to open that up to you. If you call this place your home and you are not yet a member of Salem Chapel, we want you to be here. So let me give you some little backstory. I'm going to take time to just explain what the purpose of this night is. And so uh, normally what we do is we have a, a uh, membership forum and we have a ministry launch uh, service to kick off the year. And obviously that's been turned upside down as many things have during uh, this time that we've been in this COVID and everything else. And so we had to not do that. Um, and so I was actually a couple weeks ago on the, on my back uh, porch and I was writing some things down and because I felt like we just need to be reminded of what's important and what we're going after and those types of things. And I was like, you know what, do we gather together? Do I write this down? Do I shoot a video, uh, to send out to everyone? And I felt an overwhelming sense that the last thing the Lord wanted me to do was to address and just speak hope into the things that we have been experiencing on a video. I've been doing a lot of videos in 2020. And I just felt like, you know what we need is we need to gather together as a family. We need to pray together and we need to worship the Lord together. And then we need to remind ourselves of what we are called to be about as the people of Salem Chapel. And then just share some important things about how we're moving forward um, during this time. And so if you call this place your home, I'm, I'm encouraging you, uh, I'm asking you, I normally don't ask you a lot of things, I'm asking you to be here tonight at 6 o'clock, it'll end at 7.15. Listen, I remember when our kids were little and they had strict bedtimes, and you know what, they're here, sitting here today, all well, healthy, good, because they didn't go to bed at their bedtime every night. Uh, so I promise you, your kids will survive, I promise you they'll be amazing, in fact, there's nothing better than for them to see their parents all in and uh, committed to what the Lord wants them to do. Uh, We know we have some people that can't come and gather together for various reasons, and so we're gonna offer that to you to stream. But can I encourage you with this? Don't allow the fact that we're streaming it to cause you to be like, you know what, I'm just gonna sit in my living room, eat pizza, and watch this thing uh, in my pajamas. Um, If that's you, then hear me, I'm speaking to you right now. We need you here, And, and I'm saying that out of love, uh, but we need you here, and it's going to be it's going to be a time that I believe that when you think about 2020, uh, my goal would be, and my prayer has been that you'll think back to this time where you're like, man, that was a night that I needed. I needed to be reminded of some things, and I needed to be uh, reminded of the purpose of why I call this place my home and where we're headed. And so, you want to be here for that. And uh, it's important enough that I'm willing to take five minutes for my message to tell you that, all right? And, uh, and so that's what I want to encourage you with. All right, Judges chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse this morning, Judges 3, verse 31. If you're new with us, we've been in this series now. I think this is our fifth week in this series that we kicked off in, the, in September entitled Broken People, Faithful God. And the reason why we've called this series that is because if you look at this book of Judges, Judges is a very, let's just call it what it is. It can be a very disturbing book. 
It can be a very violent book. It can be a book that you're like, man, I don't even know what to do with that. We have a reading plan that we have given you. Uh, You can access that on our website, salemchapel.org backslash judges and download that reading plan and and walk through this book with us as we go through it here on Sunday mornings. Uh, But this is a unique book. And so what the book reminds us of is our condition, that we're broken people. And I don't say that for you to be self-loathing and thinking that at all, but just embracing the reality that you're broken, that I'm broken, none of us are perfect, but we have a faithful God who is perfect. And when you look at Judges, and we've been saying this every week, you see this cyclical pattern where the people of Israel sin. They, they, uh, they go back on what they said they would do with the Lord. And the Lord gave them that covenant that he made with them, that he promised that he would be with them, that they would be his people, that he loved them, that he would rescue them. And the only thing the Lord asked them to do is to worship him as their Lord. But the problem is, as we see in the book of Judges, they do that and then they wander away and they do that and then they wander away. You know, there's this pattern where they sin and then they experience the consequences of their sin and uh, they're, they're taken over, the different tribe, depending on where we are in the book, is taken over by an outside force. They experience the consequences of their sin. They cry out to the Lord for deliverance. The Lord is faithful and he's just and he's merciful and he delivers the people through one of the judges that he puts in place and they experience peace, but unfortunately that peace is short-lived because they continue that pattern over and over again. And how true is that in our life, right? And we know what the Lord says. We know what he says in the Bible. We know we're supposed to obey it. We know that we're told it's what God's best is for our life. And so we kind of wander away and we do our own thing. And then eventually we experience the consequences of that sin. But thanks be to the Lord that the Lord is the same merciful God that he was in Judges that he is today. We call out to the Lord. We repent. uh, We're restored. And uh, we experience peace in our life. We experience God's best in our life again. And then... If we're not careful, we repeat that pattern over and over again. That's not what the Lord wants for you, and he's not, it's not what he wants for me. And so as we look at these different stories, what we're trying to do is, is to really look and say, yes, I'm broken. Let me embrace that so that I can understand that every day what I need is to be in relationship with a faithful God, to serve him as my Lord, to smash the idols that want to creep up in my life so that I can experience peace and rest, even in the midst of calamity, peace and rest, rather than this cyclical, unhealthy, exhausting pattern that so often we live in. Well, it's no different today. We just find ourselves in one verse. And so if you've been reading in the reading plan, you're like, man, I got one verse to read all week long. And, uh, and then you're like, well, let me see what the verse is. And you're like, well, that's an interesting verse. So let's look at it. Judges 3, verse 31. And it says this, and after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Some of you all week have been like, what are we going to teach on this week at church? And so I promise you that the Lord has something for you today. But as you look at this verse, here's what I found as I looked at it this week. And even as I looked at it when I was walking through the book of Judges earlier this year, I walked through the book of Judges in my own time with the Lord. As I came to this verse and I'm like, man, this verse has a lot more questions than it gives answers. Right? I look at this verse and I'm like, well, 
Why is the Philistines mentioned here? Like, you know, in 1 Samuel, I understand that you have the Philistines. They were a real adversary of Israel. But why are the Philistines mentioned here? It's kind of different than everything we looked at up to this point where you have clearly a leader mentioned who is oppressing the people of Israel. Clearly, you have how it happened. And there's a lot more description. But here, all you got here is you got some Philistines. You got this one guy, Shamgard, and he's got an ox goat and he does business against 600 of those Philistines. And Israel's saved. Well, most people believe that the Philistines uh, were pressuring Israel in the northern part of Israel, northern part of Canaan. So Israel wasn't established as one nation up to this point. They're different tribes, but nevertheless in this northern area. And then you got this question, well, who is Shamgar? And honestly, there's not a lot of um, clear, direct information of who Shamgar actually is. But let me give you some things that I found in my studies. Some scholars, most scholars, don't even believe he was an Israelite. He's not, doesn't mention what tribe he comes from. Othniel, Ehud, their tribes are mentioned on where they come from. Shamgar's not mentioned at all, and there's most likely not even an Israelite. It, most people believe with that term, son of Anath, that it comes from this idea that you had this goddess of war named Anat. And this goddess of war was worshipped by the Canaanites. It was a pagan god, but it was also worshipped by the Egyptians. And they found some inscriptions from this time where the Egyptians mentioned this anat to refer to a group of, uh, for lack of a better word, Egyptian special forces. So it was referred to as this group of individuals who are special warriors, now, there's not, it's not definitive, but at the same time, that's one of the ideas is that Shamgar was not an Israelite. He was a part of this uh, special military group of individuals that most likely was encamped in this area where the Philistines were. And so Shamgar attacked these Philistines because they were a threat and Israel got to benefit from that ordeal. So that's what... We, we seem to have indication of. Well, here's another question I had. Well, how did he emerge as the champion of Israel? I mean, how did this happen? And it's interesting that you see here that what happened? He had this ox goad. He killed 600 Philistines. And the Lord used Shamgar to deliver Israel. So here's the most prevalent question that you probably had this week and I had. It really wasn't who Shamgar was. It really wasn't where the, why are the Philistines mentioned in this passage of scripture. You're like, Johnny, you're answering questions I didn't even ask. The only question that you have this morning probably is what is a, yeah. You know what? I didn't know the answer to that either. So of course, what do you do? Well, you go to the trusted source that we have today, right? Google. And so I Googled what is an ox goat and, and a bunch of different things came up and, and uh, I saw all of these instruments that looked kind of nasty, like they had this little ax head at the end of it. But the reality is, you know what an ox goat was? It was a farmer's tool. And because back, back then at this time, really what drove all the economy in all the known world was agriculture. And so what an individual do, would do with an ox goat is he would take his, his cattle and he would hook them up to a plow. He would hook, hook up the oxen to the plow. And if they had a young ox, what would happen was is, is you needed those oxen to plow in straight lines. 
And so if a farmer had a new ox that he was training to plow, he would take that ox goad, that long stick that was probably six to eight feet, and he would literally take that stick and he would use it to guide that young ox that wanted to wander uh, to the side or go off course instead of a straight line. And when he would start to do that, there was a pointed edge at the end of that stick that he would stick in the shoulder, just kind of prick in the shoulder of that ox to keep it going straight. You thought an ox god was some, like, just some bad tool that, like, you would just picture in some medieval movie. But the reality is, you know what it was? It was a long stick. Nothing sexy about it. Just a long, pointed stick. But evidently, Shamgar uses this stick to bring great deliverance to God's people. So here's the title of the message. You ready for this? Here it is. It's a title you'll probably remember. The Potential of an Ox Code. That's the title of the message today. The Potential of an Ox Code. And here's the idea that I want you to get out of this passage of scripture because it's one verse, right? And there's so little information given in this one verse. So we're gonna take this one verse and what we find in and we're gonna apply it to where we are today. So here's the idea that I want you to understand. And you need to get this. You need to write this down. That the Lord uses what is small to accomplish what is great so that he can receive the highest glory. That that's what our Lord's about. That when you walk out of here today, I want you to remind yourself, understand, maybe hear for the first time, that the Lord uses what is small to accomplish what is great so that he can receive the highest glory. What is the Lord's mission? We've said this every week. The Lord's mission is the theme of this Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that the Lord's mission is about saving his people. We see that in Genesis 3, and we see that come to complete fruition in Revelation 21. And the whole Bible is about the Lord being committed to save his people. And aren't you thankful that the Lord's commitment to save his people is not dependent upon you and not dependent upon me? Why? Because we are broken people. But our God's not broken. And so if the Lord's mission is to save his people, then what we all, next question we need to ask is, how does the Lord accomplish his mission? And you want to know the mind-boggling way that the Lord accomplishes his mission? It's through his people. Through you. Like everybody just take your finger and point it to your chest. That is who the Lord uses to accomplish his mission. It's not what I would choose. It's not what you would choose. But it's what the Lord chooses. I remember a phrase that my dad uh, told us boys growing up and it stuck with me and it, and it reminded me of this even when I read this one verse. It's this, that God meets the need of his people through people. We have a few instances in scripture where God, where God meets the needs of his people through some birds and through other means. For the, mass, the vast majority of the stories that we have in the Bible, God meets the needs of his people through people. Think about your life. I don't know about you, but I've never had a bird come and bring me anything. Didn't come and like I pray and all of a sudden a raven comes out of the sky and drops on my back porch with a check be awesome. It's never happened. 
But I've had times in my life where we had a need and we circled around as a family and we prayed for that need to be met. And God put it on somebody's heart to provide and meet that need. You've probably had that true of yourself. Didn't happen by a bird, didn't happen by a carrier pigeon. Happened through people. And I think we fail to understand that humbling reality. That God wants to use you and God wants to use me to accomplish his mission. And Shamgar is a perfect example of that. That the Lord often uses what is small to accomplish what is great so that he can receive the highest glory. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31. This was in your reading plan. Let me read this passage of scripture. It says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So that, for what purpose does God work this way in using the small to accomplish the great so he can receive the greatest glory? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Lord's done a good work in you if you trusted him as your Lord and Savior. Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So here's what I want to do with the time remaining in this one little verse. Is I want to answer the question, how? How do I, how do you trust that the Lord uses what is small to accomplish what is great so that he can receive the highest glory. How can you trust that? How can I? So here's what I want you to ask yourself as I pray here in a moment. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, would you show me, would you encourage me maybe, maybe that's what you need, that what I'm seeing is small, as insignificant that you want to use it to accomplish what is great so that you can receive the highest glory and that, Lord, you would help me to believe that, help me to trust in that where I may be doubting. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that for every one of us in this room. That, Lord, as we're reading about this individual that probably some of us never even heard of until we opened up this passage of Scripture, a guy named Shamgar, who we know very little about. But, Lord, how you used him and a long wooden stick to save your people. And, God, whatever we're deeming as small as insignificant today, would you breathe hope? And to us understanding the reality that, God, you love to use those things that are small to accomplish what is great. So that we can't boast in ourselves. But what we can do is give you the highest praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first one. How do you, how do I trust in the Lord to use what is small? Number one, stop. Can you say that with me? Just say that word. Stop. Better yet. Say this with me. Stop it. Just look to the person next to you, right? Just look to the person next to you and say that. Stop it. It's the most fun you've had already today on a Sunday morning. Stop what? Stop criticizing and minimizing what the Lord has entrusted to you. 
I want you to underline in your Bibles that phrase, with an ox code. Stop minimizing and criticizing what the Lord has entrusted to you. Now listen, if Shamgar was indeed a mighty warrior, you know what that means? He probably had an arsenal of weapons. He probably had a sword, kind of like what I showed last week. I wanted to try to bring an ox goat up here. I went to Amazon to see if I could buy one. They don't sell them. So he didn't have a sword like we had last week. He didn't have some battle axe. I'm sure he had one in his inventory of weapons. After all, if he was a mighty warrior, he would have had those things. He would have known how to use those things. But Shamgar was in a situation that we don't know a lot about, but evidently the only weapon that he had, and it wasn't even deemed a weapon, the only thing that he had was his bare hands and a long stick, and he used it to do what the Lord had called him to do. And you don't see in this passage of scripture where he's criticizing, man, oh man, why didn't I have my sword strapped to my side? I've done it every other time and not today. I'm doomed. We don't see that he did that. So can I ask you this? What is your ox code? You're like, well, Johnny, before today, I didn't even know what one was. But what is your ox code? Here's how I'm defining an ox code this morning. The trait, the possession, or the thing that you are criticizing, hating on, and minimizing as worthless in your life. What's the thing? What's the possession? What's the trait that you hate on, that you criticize, that you minimize, and you see as worthless in your life? Because what I want you to understand from this verse today is that may very well be the ox code that the Lord wants to use. Some of you, it could be a talent. And if you're minimizing and criticizing it and seeing it as worthless, then your answer is what talent? Maybe it's the way that the natural wiring that you have, whatever it may be. I mean, I mean, we live in a day-to-day where everybody loves self-discovery. Have you ever found that? Like, dude, if you write a book on who you are, I mean, it's got to be terrible for you not to sell some of them. Right? I mean, I mean, you know, we got Myers-Briggs, you know, where it's like, what four letters are you? I mean, there's 16 different options. And so you want to find out, am I an ENTJ? Am I an ESFP? Am I, am I an INTJ? I mean, we go on and on and on. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Or it's like, man, like, uh, well, am I a D? Am I an I? Am I an S? Am I a C? I mean, we love self-discovery. The hot thing right now, and it's been for a while in the last few years, is Adiagram. How many of you have heard of Adiagram? Raise your hand. I knew it. The whole crowd. Same as the 9 a.m. You know what's crazy is, is I love these books, love these books too, but you know what's crazy, especially for my generation and younger, is everybody walks around now being like, can't help it, I'm just a three. <laughs> can't help it, I'm a one. I like everything to be perfect, set in its little way. I mean, don't criticize me, I'm a one. Oh, well, he's an eight. So he's just a jerk. I'm saying that because I'm an eight. (laughs) We go on and on and on, right? And what's crazy to me is I listen to people and they're literally defending their actions or thinking less of themselves because of a book that told you who you are by a number. 
First service, I had individuals coming up and saying, I didn't have any idea what you were talking about at all. And they were of the older persuasion. But it was like, man, how did I live my life? I didn't know if I was a lion or a beaver or an otter or a, or a, or a golden retriever. That used to be a thing if you didn't know what I'm talking about. Or, or a D or an I or an S or a C or four letters or, or this number with a wing that goes out over here. Like, here's why I'm saying all of that. Stop it. Stop minimizing and criticizing what the Lord has entrusted to you. Kissa, can I encourage you, however way that you want to identify yourself, let's not forget Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. So I can be an eight and a jerk, but that doesn't absolve me from being a jerk. No, God's wired me a certain way to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish, which is what? His mission, to be used of the Lord to bring people to him. And some of you need to look at your talent, at how God has wired you. And you need to look at it as something that God has entrusted to you rather than something for you to be ashamed of. We go on and on, but about your background, right? You gather together and man, you're so ashamed. You don't wanna let anybody know what your background is. You don't want anybody to know, man, I didn't have a mom or a dad that was present. And they're talking about their different experiences and how they got to go to Disney or how they got to do this or that. And you're like, man, I sure hope they don't ask me about those things because I had none of those experiences. And so you're viewing your, that background, you're criticizing and you're minimizing and you have no idea that the Lord sees that as, a, as an ox goat that he wants to accomplish something great with. We go on and on. It could be a relationship. It could be a lack of relationship. Could be your family. Could be a relationship that you regret that's ended, a, a divorce, and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just constantly identifying myself by, by the mistakes that were made in that marriage, and maybe that's an ox God. See, I want to ask you this. How much time did you spend this last week complaining about what you have or you didn't have? How much time? took me down a rabbit hole this week and I found this out. The average person complains 30 times a day. Some of you are like, I blew that away. And others of you are like, shame on those people. I was like, well, how many hours a year? Get this. If you complain 30 times a day, that on average works out. The average person complains 53 hours a year. Can you imagine being on a road trip, a long road trip, and every minute of every hour is complaining and negativity? You're thinking, can I jump out of this car at 45 and survive, right? How often do we do that? I want you to get this, that negativity around what the Lord has entrusted to you, when you're negative about that, how the God has made you, the place that God has sovereignly placed you right now, that when you're negative about those things, you know what it is? It is spiritual quicksand to your soul. Because the more negative you are, the more that you sink deeper into that despair and into that negativity. Can I just be honest with you about something and transparent? Transparent is the better word because I've been honest up to this point. Transparent with you. 
is I even experienced some of this last night. So Lori and I are on the back porch and we're done with dinner. The kids have already gone inside and we're sitting out there and I just was kind of down in the dumps about some stuff. Just frustrated with some things. And I'm talking and I'm sharing those things and she's listening. And then Lori just says, hey, I got an idea. And I'm like, what's that? And she's like, how about we pray about it? Aren't you thankful, those of you who have wives, you have a loving wife that the Lord uses out of his grace to rebuke you ever so gently? (laughs) I'm very thankful for that. And you know what I did? I was like, you're right. You need to start. So I said, you pray first. So she's praying there and she's praying. And as I'm sitting there, this is last night, mind you. I know what I'm preaching on. Don't forget that. And I'm there last, and, I, and she's praying, and it's, and it's just like Lori was ever so gently to say, let's pray about it. I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to her pray, and, I'm, and, and the Lord just reminds me of this very first point that I felt the Lord directed me to use to apply this verse. It's like, Johnny, you're teaching on this tomorrow, and you are criticizing and minimizing what I've entrusted to you. And I just had to apologize to the Lord. Man, it's so easy to do, is it not? It's so easy to do. You know what helps is Philippians 4.8, where it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. You know what it doesn't say? Whatever is negative, Whatever is pessimistic, whatever is complaining, doesn't say that. It says whatever is true. Because you know what I found? When I complain and I minimize, it's never true. And I even can know it's not true, but I still want to live in it. And oh, nothing will rob me from trusting And what I see is small for the Lord to use it to accomplish something great so that he can receive the highest glory. Nothing will short circuit that as much as me being negative. Here's the second thing. Surrender what the Lord has entrusted to you. See, it says there at the end of the verse that with this ox goad, Shamgar saved Israel. Now, we don't see Shamgar holding this wooden stick and saying, Lord, before I put a wall up on these 600 Philistines, Lord, I surrender this stick to you. But I think we can take this verse and apply a principle that what's necessary for the Lord to do something great with what we see as small is we need to surrender it to him. Here's what I found in my life. I can't surrender something to the Lord. What I mean by that is literally say, Lord, you've entrusted this to me. Lord, I wanna use it for you. I can't pray that way and act that way and have that posture and be criticizing it at the same time. You know why that's not, that can't happen? Because I've tried. I can't criticize and be negative. Lord, why'd you give me this, man, when I could have had this? God, why didn't you give me her talent when I could have had, why did you give me my talent when I could have had her talent or whatever it is? I mean, some of you, the idea of you doing what I'm doing on this stage, you'd rather play Frogger on 52 than do this. But then something that you're amazing at, I'm like, there's no way I could even possibly do that. So often we want to criticize, we want to minimize, but you can't do that and surrender what the Lord has entrusted you with at the same time. You can't do it. See, here's what surrendering 
what you have. And seeing it as something entrusted to you by the Lord, here's what that does. It unlocks the potential and the power of the Holy Spirit to do something in and through you that you can't take the credit for. I don't care how buff Shamgar was and I don't care how mighty of a warrior is. I'd take 600 to one odds. I'd take those 600 people any day of the week. Man, when we surrender and say, Lord, I'm not gonna complain about what you entrusted to me. God, you wouldn't have given it to me if you didn't want me to use it for your mission. God, you're gonna give me exactly what I need to do exactly what you've called me to do. So God, I'm gonna say, Lord, these are not gifts. These are not abilities. This is not a place where I live. This is not a job that I have. This is not a relationship that I just serve myself with. No, no, everything that you've entrusted to me, Lord, I'm gonna give it back to you and say, Lord, how do you want me to use these things to go after your mission so that people can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Lord, I'm gonna give these things back to you and what happens is, is man, I unlock the potential and the power of the Holy Spirit for me to be able to participate in something that is so much greater than me and that I couldn't take credit for. Shamgar had his hands and a stick. And we're talking about him today. He can't take credit for that. See, everyone has these three things from the Lord. A strength. Shamgar's was his military skill. What's yours? A dream. Here's how I've defined a dream, an inward picture of our preferred future. Do you have a dream today? You have a dream? Like, man, I'd really like to do this. It's amazing. There's nothing wrong with dreams. There's nothing wrong with goals. Do you have a dream? And can I just encourage you? That's not just for people in their 20s. I need to be saying, Lord, What's the what, what, what dream do I have? How do I want to use what you've entrusted to me? How do I want to maximize the potential that you have provided me with? That's something that I need to be asking and praying about till Jesus calls me home. I don't care if you're 90 this morning. Do you have a dream? Because we all have a strength. We all have a dream. But get this, we all have a mission. And that mission is the same for all of us. Oh, we can have different dreams and we have different strengths, but they're all to achieve the same mission. And that mission is to make disciples of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We'll talk more about that tonight. And don't minimize those three things in your life. The Lord made you, he wired you, and he entrusted you with exactly what you need to fulfill your God-given destiny. If you're struggling with insecurity, can I tell you about a passage of scripture that you ought to read this week? Psalm 139. Verse 13 through 15 says this, for you formed my inward parts. You, this is speaking of the Lord, not your parents. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven into the depths of the earth. You know what I wrote in the margin of my Bible next to that, those two verses? God doesn't make junk. God made you. 
with a purpose in mind. And what others may deem as handicapped, God sees as fearfully and wonderfully made. Then I come to 1 Corinthians 6.20 and you're like, well, what's the correlation of this verse as you see it on your screen where Paul says, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know what I wrote next to that verse? Psalm 139, 13 through 15, God doesn't make junk. I wrote next to 1 Corinthians 6.20, God doesn't buy junk. You're bought with a price. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life for you, a life that you can't live, died on the cross for your sins, a death that you deserve, rose again three days later so that you can have victory in everything that you face in this sinful world. He's not gonna do that for something that's insignificant. Surrender what the Lord has entrusted to you. Here's the last thing. Steward with conviction and courage what the Lord has entrusted to you. And you want to trust that the Lord can use what is small to accomplish what is great so that he can receive the greatest glory? Then, man, you be committed to steward with conviction and courage what the Lord has entrusted to you. Man, when I see Judges 3.31, I see dripping all over it courage, conviction, that God has gifted me, he's wired me for this task and I'm not gonna be fearful in it, I'm not gonna be boastful in it, but I'm gonna have conviction and courage to use what the Lord has given to me to steward, to do what? So that people can be saved. Well, how do you do that? I think scripture tells us, here's the first thing, start out every day praying that the Lord would give you the wisdom and power to steward what he's entrusted to you. Start out every day. Lord, would you give me eyes to see ways that I can use what you've entrusted to me? Man, maybe that background that you've been ashamed of, that you run into someone who struggled with the very same thing as you, and you can use your story and how God has redeemed that story, and you can use that story to bring life, breathe life into someone who struggles with the same things as you. Man, that divorce that has been weighing you down and, and you're like, man, if I had to do it over again, I would do it differently. But all of a sudden you run into someone who's struggling with the same thing that you went through years ago and you can say, you know what? I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. I know what that guilt feels like. I know what that shame looks like. But can I tell you how the Lord has redeemed that and is using that as I move forward? What are you doing? You're using your ox code. You're stewarding it with conviction and confidence and courage. And you start out every day praying, Lord, would you give me eyes to see? James 5, 16 says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. You know what else you do? You stay focused on what your mission is. You pass by a mission every day when you walk into this building. You didn't even realize it. It's that little sign out there right outside the doors that simply put our mission is to make and mobilize disciples here at this church. However way church wants to use it, it's that idea of making disciples that as I put my faith and trust in Christ and I grow in my relationship with him, I've also been given the privilege to be able to do that with someone else. Man, don't forget what your mission is. Keep it in the forefront of your mind. So often, man, we have allowed so much stuff in our world today to crowd out that reality. 
I've allowed fear, I've allowed politics, I've allowed so many things to cry out to where I'm always, I'm only focused about me and my family rather than, wait a minute, why am I here? Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on to the things that lie ahead. Here's what else you do, you don't ever give up. You don't ever give up. You feel like giving up today? Then you need to go to the Lord. You need to surrender what he's entrusted to you and you need to say, man, I'm gonna have courage and conviction that the Lord can use what is small to accomplish what is great for his greatest glory. And I'm gonna take this day by day, but I'm not giving up. I'm never staying down. I'm never gonna stop trusting. I'm gonna understand that regret only looks back, worry only looks around, but victory always looks up. We got a mission. You've got a mission, I've got a mission. We've got battles to fight. And we've been given the tools and the time and the resources to do what God has called us to do. And we're gonna give an account one day for how we have stewarded what he's entrusted to us. And I'm not gonna stand up there for you and you're not gonna stand up there for me. We're all gonna be before the Lord one day and we don't know exactly the way that it's gonna look. But we're all gonna give an account and our salvation's not based upon that. But the Lord has stewarded you with his gifts, with his opportunities for us to use. Use those ox goats. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13 says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. See, wood burns up in a fire. Hay burns up in a fire. Straw, same thing. Gold, silver, precious stones last through the fire. I don't know if this is a literal fire. It's not a matter, once again, of your salvation. But it's just meant to be a sobering thing that, man, I can't stop. I can't criticize and minimize the things that God's given me. Man, I want to see God use those things so that I can boast in the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for the privilege to just be a very small little part of what you're doing. Can I close with this and remind you Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a mission. And his orders to accomplish that mission were very counterintuitive to what we would have chosen. God in the flesh came as a baby to experience every temptation that you would face and die on a cross and be risen risen again. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. In other words, the Lord submitted himself to God's plan. Okay, I'll put on human flesh. I'll come as a baby. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Counterintuitive. And it seems small. This way? This way? 
But aren't you glad that it accomplished much? Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed it in the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen to me. Shamgar used a wooden stick that no one would have deemed sufficient to the task of killing 600 men and saving Israel. But can, I, can we look to the ultimate example? Can we look to, as Grace said, the hero of our story? It reminds me of the Lord Jesus who used a wooden cross. Something that was looked down upon, something no one would even want to be around. He used a wooden cross to save every man, woman, and child who places their faith and trust in him as their Lord and Savior. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we love. He's the one that we thank for the things that he's given us we're gonna take part in communion today. And hopefully when you came in the doors this morning, you received this cup. And let me explain a little bit about this cup. There's a part where you can peel off the top to access the bread. And then there's another part where you can peel back to access the juice. If you didn't get one of these, please raise your hand. We'll put one in your hands if you didn't get one. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop and we're gonna remember what our Savior did for us. The band's gonna sing, and I just want you to reflect. Maybe you need to confess and say, Lord, forgive me of criticizing and minimizing my ox goat. Maybe you need to surrender that to the Lord and say, Lord, I've never even thought about surrendering you to you, what you've given me, my finances, my life, my marriage, my giftings, my opportunities. Maybe you need to realign yourself with that mission again. I don't know. The Holy Spirit will direct you where it is. But we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to take communion together. So let's go to the Lord. Let's reflect on what he has said through his word to us.